so I'm not going to speak to all of this paper. It was uh, something I pulled together of things that I thought would be relevant to this uh, meeting. So the first page talks about the background of how we got to work-based learning as an area of studies in, within it, its own right. So then on page two, under curriculum, I've said that some of the common elements of work-based learning curriculum uh, that might be useful are, first of all, the way we use accreditation of experiential learning and how you can bring that into your disciplinary areas by becoming more expert on how to accredit experience, i.e. how keeping things on their head, <coughs> people bring in their experiential knowledge and you help them engage in codifying it is, uh, and making it into academically recognised knowledge. So it's a different way of thinking things through and there's a, there's a trick to that. There's a, you know, there's a, there's a sort of a pedagogical way, way of understanding to do that and there should be more expertise in that area. Um, Three-way contracts, university, student and employer or a third external person, doesn't have to be an employer, someone outside the university, uh, practice space, um, that's been touched on. Next section on page three, practitioner-led inquiry projects, work-based projects, projects that um, people undertake in the workplace, like Claire we're mostly dealing with people who are working full-time and studying part-time. But there's no reason why full-time students can't do inquiry projects into the area of work, practical area of work, real-time, real-world projects, practitioner research projects. That's the main thing of work-based learning, people actually doing things in context. And then pedagogy. Um, that's been mentioned, a, a very different pedagogy where the learner takes charge of their own learning and it's not, um, as was said this morning, uh, you know, regurgitating lecture, sort of a, a knowledge that's going to go out of date. It's learning how to learn and, and all of that um, language. But what I want to focus on quickly is uh, <laughs> assessment. I got to thinking, what is the real nub? So page four, the real nub of this work-based learning thing is how you assess it. Um, because in the end, uh, the students want to pass an exam and get a good honours degree or whatever. And they're going to see how it's assessed and, and, and that's one aspect of it. Another aspect of it, of what, of what are those criteria? Because are, are they sort of criteria that's not related to their work? So what we've done in work-based learning as, as a field of study is We've got these generic criteria. You can see them listed there under the bullet points. So we've thought of work-based learning as fundamentally a transdisciplinary field of study, which draws upon disciplinary knowledge. It's just one way of conceptualising it. Think of it how you like. Um, something that makes sense. But something that makes sense to people actually drawing on knowledge, which is practice-based. There's so much written about that, isn't there, from different perspectives. Um, so um, these criteria can be applied to accreditation, accreditation experiential learning, for example, or the work-based projects and so on. So if you imagine that you're assessing someone who's done a work-based project and these are criteria which you're assessing against, I mean they'll be more detailed than that depending on what the area is. So. The first one is identification of and appropriate uses of sources of knowledge and evidence. 
So it's not prescribing what that source of knowledge might be. I mean, knowledge is something which is so much more easily accessible, I mean, practical knowledge uh, nowadays. So it's how to find the right source of knowledge, which is the important skill. Um, you don't know where it is. You've got a particular project you're undertaking in the workplace. Where do you go and get your background on that? Um, selection and justification <coughs> approaches, approaches to that knowledge. This is sort of a methodological idea. You know, um, how do you approach it? How, how have you undertaken it? But it gives a much broader scope. Ethical understanding, I would say, this, this is more about values and care as well as truth and merit, which is the more traditional approach to um, ethical considerations, you might argue. So each time you're looking, the criteria, of, uh, you, you recognise knowledge, you recognise methodology, you recognise ethics, they're all things that we've all been dealing with, but it's a slightly different perspective on it, if you like, or maybe order of importance, maybe a different order of importance is what it is. Analysis and synth synthesis of information and ideas, you still need those skills, and after all, this is what higher, higher education does. It um, has long expertise in research, critical thinking, <laughs> analysing things. We're using all the things that universities traditionally have. That's what we need to draw on. Otherwise, you know, they may as well go and do this in, with another organisation, another um, which is not an educational one. Um, so we have to we stick to the um, the skills that that we've got our abilities that are already well-versed, but just think a bit differently about them. Self-appraisal and reflection on practice, reflection and reflexivity is one of the key areas in work-based learning. I was talking at lunchtime to a colleague about how that can be badly done, actually, uh, if you're not careful, because it does need some thinking about there is a body of knowledge, a la Donald Schoen and various other people and things that have come out on how, how to do it. Um, better <laughs> than apparently has been done. Um, I won't go through all of these. Effective use of resources. So taking a real world into consideration. So you might in your project say the best possible way of undertaking this project would have been, in my opinion, to do it like this. But because of the restricted resources I had in my particular situation, I had to do it like that. You know, so it's taking on uh, the real-time situation, effective communications, um, how to articulate things to different kinds of audiences, and, and things like that. I mean, you draw on your, on your own particulars under each of these headings. Um, so what else did I want to say in my last minute? Two. Two minutes, two minutes. Two minutes. <laughs> um, so the expertise as a tutor, I would say, is, is twofold. Um, one is that, that with this more facilitative way of working, um, so you're not afraid uh, to not know things. Because if, if you're assessing and working with someone who's on a placement or in a workplace, you can't possibly you're not the expert. You're not in there, are you? You've got to acknowledge they're the expert in what's happening. So it's drawing alongside that person and asking good questions, that kind of facilitative ability. And uh, David Bowd and I is cited in the, at the end, Bowd and Costley, 2006, 
from project supervision to advising, did a piece of research on that, which is quite interesting, I think. Um, um, facilitative and then become an assessment expert. Really understand your levels, what they actually mean. Uh, so, for example, I'm looking at a good piece of work from a, a student that, uh, although this is contextualised, someone's doing something with a very specific place, the way that you draw on the, the sort of wider, bigger picture, you know, um, do a proper literature search or, should I say, search of knowledge and information. Don't <laughs> make any assumptions about anything. A wider search um, and bring in sort of a, a sort of think outside box. Uh, are, gonna, are the people that um, are going to be get the better grades, for example? So that's exactly. Just leave there. That's exactly. <laughs> Thank you very much, Carol. <laughs>